This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're celebrating the Bates football team's 30-5 win over Bowdoin under the lights at Garcelon Field. Plus, the cross-country teams turned in a strong performance at the NASCAR Championships, and the field hockey and men's soccer teams played in their NASCAR tournaments. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates football team ended its 17-game losing streak in a big way Saturday night, trouncing rival Bowden 30-5 at Garcelon Field in the first nighttime home football game in team history. In the 122nd meeting between the old rivals, first-year Tyler Bridge rushed for 188 yards, and junior Brendan Costa passed for 212 yards and three touchdowns, including two to sophomore Jackson Hayes. Brings a man in motion. And drops back, throwing down the near sideline, has a man, Jackson Hayes has it, and Jackson Hayes is into the end zone for six. Second and ten, Costa throwing down the near sideline, Hayes has it, it's a touchdown! Bates gained 523 yards on the night, their most in one game since 2011. And the Bobcats defeated the Polar Bears for the eighth time in nine years, while giving second-year head coach Malik Hall his first victory. Fifth quarter on the Bates Bobcats with the head coach of the Bobcats, Malik Hall. And Coach Hall, under the lights against Bowdoin, your first win as a head coach here at Bates. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> I feel good. I mean, it's hard to win, but it does feel good to win. Um, and more importantly, I'm, I'm excited for our Bobcat community. Um, this was a long overdue win. Um, you know, for every game we let go through our hands or that we didn't get it done, you know, this kind of – this is one of those deals that it infuses confidence into the team, it infuses confidence into the game planning, and with uh, anticipation from our from our fan base to try to put together another W this week versus Hamilton. And the uh, big plays have been uh, a problem for the Bobcats defensively this year, but this time you flipped the script and the offense pulled off some big-time plays. Uh, how good was that to see? And how about Jackson Hayes, sophomore receiver? Really a huge game for him. Yeah, you know, Jackson being, you know, 5'9", 170 pounds with quarters in his pocket. <laughs> he plays with the edge, and that edge that he plays with is what gives him the fortitude to do some things, daring to challenge corners and safeties in in his route progression. Um, and I was happy for him because he, he, he had an outbreak freshman year, and this year has been a slow start for him. Um, but what a way to kick it off in the beginning of the game. Two big touchdowns. Um, and for him and Costa together, trying to link up in the deep ball has been ch a challenge this year. Um, it's taken a while for us to find the rhythm, but it, 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 it also shows that when we're, when we're clicking on every cylinder, we can be a very dangerous team. Um, offensively, you talk about Costa spreading the ball around. You know, we we threw the ball efficient, and we only threw it, what, 18 times? 
And in that efficient throwing, I mean, you got two big bomb touchdowns, a third, actually three bomb touchdowns, yeah. and, you know, giving him the ability that it was not there to continue to run. So total offense, I mean, I think we were in over 400 in total offense. And, and again, those are, those are just, you know, compliments to what we should look like when we're dialed in and locked in and playing with great chemistry and great, and great confidence. Tyler Bridge back on the field and rushes for almost 200 yards. It's a monster game for him, some big-time runs. What have you seen from him, you know, getting back out there and having the game like he did? You know, I, I, I truly credit, you know, his high school, Coach Roach at Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, groomed, he's groomed TB to be that kind of kid. Um, I also credit his, his mom and dad because he's also humble along the way. Um, and coming off of some injury where he hasn't played in four or five weeks, you, you, you expect Russ to come off, um, but he knocked Russ off by almost rushing for 200 yards. Um, he's, a, he's a physical force. I mean, at 6'3", 220, and running a ball with authority like he does, it, it presents a challenge, a challenge for defenses. Um, but I was extremely happy with the offensive line Mm -hmm. and getting that push so he can add into that uh, authoritative running style that he has. Shoulders down, forward lean, and when you add the O-line firing off, getting that same push, I mean, really, you know, a 200-yard day? Sounds about right the way our O-line played. And the way he played. I was going to say, offensive line, a lot of seniors in that group. Uh, pretty special performance, it seemed like. Yeah, you know, we worked we worked intentionally on getting our seniors out there for the first series. Um, and, and, you know, as it shook out, you know, Phil, Flanagan, uh, OB, and Matt Golden, holy smokes, like those four guys all had good days. Um, Matt Golden had a nice little scamper on a pool, had a few catches. Um, and you talk about three of the five of offensive linemen being seniors and to close out their game against Bowden at a night game at Garcelon Field. Listen, some scripts we can write, but that one I don't think we could have. Certainly, you touched on the night game, the atmosphere. What was the atmosphere like from your perspective? Oh, I mean, listen – we had the Cats Carnival. The yep. street was closed down. You had the Lewiston Armor-like bulletproof, bomb-proof truck that kids were climbing on. I think when we were warming up on the field and our guys saw all of the people that came out to support them, you know, it, it makes you think, What could you? can you imagine what it looks like when we really got it rolling? I think the community wants something to do on a Saturday morning. Definitely a Saturday night, and what better place to be than on the football field for a night game at Garcelon. So the atmosphere was amazing. I think um, our guys looking at it, you know, we went with white under the lights, which was, you know, again, just trying to change up um, the atmosphere to match that atmosphere, you know. We don't have an all-white alternative uniform yet, but mm. that does not mean that we still can't present the white under the lights with our top. Um, and I thought it was well received from our guys, from our fan base. 
And, you know, whenever you can get a W and the fans want to rush your field like that, you know, I think that's just a win for the B. And we touched on one Mainer who had a big day, Tyler Bridge. Another Mainer who had a big day who's a senior, Zach Doyon, with the interception. Uh, I mean, that must be nice to see from him on senior day, a leaping catch like that. Yeah, my man Zoyan. How about that? You know, every kid from every main kid had a good a good yeah. a good performance Saturday. Um, but Doyon, I, I, listen, you know, he's a pre-med guy. And so some nights he might only get three hours of sleep due to studying. Mm. And so this was one of those weeks for him. And to see him recover like he did and have the performance that he did, I was excited for him. I was excited for his family to see him perform that way in his last game. And not to mention when you talk about doing something for the B, he came in here, and when we got here, he was a tailback. And, you know, when you talk about do it for the B, he he changed positions late last year midseason versus Middlebury and came on to be a starter at middle linebacker and to close out his game with a pick, uh, a few TFLs, and a ton of tackles. I'm happy for him. More importantly, I'm happy for all of our seniors because seeing him go out like that encourages our juniors to rise to the occasion for the seniors. And I think everyone did. Everyone rose up for our senior class to play well, and our seniors played extremely well. Uh, You know, Sarasi, Sauce, like Sauce had a great game, had about seven tackles. He's been hurt about all season just about. And so that senior package that we put together, you know, it means something to them. And I think they reciprocated that with their effort. Certainly one of the underclassmen, a big play. We talked last week how Sean Bryant should be ready for the next opportunity, and boy, was he ever. Hello, hot coffee. (laughs) He comes onto the scene again after being beat up all season and had a breakout game last week. And how about following it up with another deep ball, um, catch going up, catching it for a touchdown. Like, again, I'm proud of Sean even more to that point. Sean's brother has been out for a while. So when you think about, you know, caring for a sibling or having a sibling on the team and he's not there, you know, that plays a part in the athletic psyche. Um, And he's done a great job in absorbing it. The Bobcat Posse has done a great job in giving him a shoulder to lean on as a support system. And um, it shows up on Saturday for him, and I'm happy for him. And then the game, I mean, you guys won pretty handedly. It wasn't, you know, we were talking about these close games the Bobcats have had the fourth quarter. But this time, the fourth quarter, it wasn't really that close. What was that feeling like? Ah, wow. Like, you know, again, man, I, it's so hard to win. You you forget. You, you don't really, you know the score. You know what the score is. You know what's going on. Um, but as a coach, you always know something's waiting for you around a corner. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even at the end where we probably could have punched in to get another touchdown, you know, I believe that, you know, a lot of head coaches and a lot of teams in our league have shown us some grace in those scenarios. And though we got our first win, it was important to show our guys, like, guys, it's okay to get a win, but not not to just show people up, right. you know. And to some degree, our guys wanted to get another touchdown. Sure and um, yeah. and I get that I do and I and I think 
those are learning moments for our team to understand what respecting your opponent looks like, um, that I'm going to compete hard to win and to beat my opponent, but the respect value on your opponent is when you're on the three-yard line, yeah, you can go in and score, but you can also show respect and take a knee. Yeah. And that was the thought process. So being that we were up so much, it was just let's keep playing good football. Um, let's not do anything that could really change the energy or the momentum of the game. Um, and when you got Bridge running like he was running and the O-line blocking like they were blocking, it's not a lot really to do other than just let your guys finish the game. And I was proud that they finished the game with no turnovers. I was proud that they finished it, relatively speaking, with no penalties. Um, and we, you saw a, you saw a mature ball club this weekend. Um, and it's my hopes that we double down on that maturity, double down on our ability to compete for four quarters and see if we can bring home another W for the Bobcat family. I was going to say that. I mean, coming off an emotional win like this, what, what's your approach this week in practice preparing this team for Hamilton, the final regular season game here? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're going to change some things up in the practice schedule just to kind of keep them on their toes. Yeah. Um, also, I think once you get that that taste, you just want to taste it like, ah, oh, I need it again. Mm-hmm. And so relying on some of the natural um, – Relying on the human disposition to want more success and rely on our coach and organization to kind of switch some things up to make them have to focus a little harder. Um, because I think you can get in a situation where you just want to ride that wave. But the, the deal with that is you have to still work at the wave, right? It's just not go, oh, we won. Now we're going to win the next one. Like, if we, re- if we rely on our accolades from the boating game to show up the Hamilton game, that means we think we're playing boating twice. Mm-hmm. And we have to switch gears and switch the face of our opponent, if not the face, certainly the color, because um, we're not playing boating this week. And we're traveling for eight hours yeah. to get to Hamilton. And so, you know, when you think of away games, away games present more challenges than just the opposing team. Um, travel plays a part in it. Routine plays a part in it. And um, and so we want to be able to keep our routine as best we can, but also change it up so they have to catch the thread and focus and respond because this is the one that's easy to kind of say, okay, we finally won, now we're on track. Hamilton's going to lay down because we come into town like that's not going to happen. Right. And so as a coaching staff, we're working diligently to do some things to spark change, but also be consistent in some of the things that we do schematically so we're not reteaching. And so we're excited. Hamilton, they are a physical ball club. They, they're they fighting to win five games right now. That's the position we wanted to be in. Um, they have a great tail. They have a really good two tandem tailback. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a scat back number seven who's pretty dynamic in space, runs hard. Um, and then they have a, a bowling ball number thirty who's who's short round and loves the ground. And um, so that combination with the quarterback being able to flick it downfield. 
Um, they're a 50-50 team. And so we want to make them one-dimensional and force them into just passing the ball. Um, and if we get that done, I think we'll be okay. Offensively, their defense is a stout defense. They're not, they're not going to give you a bunch of looks. They're going to line up. They're going to know where you're going, yeah. and they're going to beat you to the spot. Um, they rely on their effort, their discipline, not the configuration or the scheme. Um, and that in itself and in its own right is dangerous because they're clear on who they are. Yeah. And formations don't get them to sway their style. And so this is one of those deals where you, you, you know you're where you're getting. Can you out-execute them? Because they're gonna, their game plan is to out-execute you defensively, be where they know you're going to be, and break the play up. And so our challenge is can we out-execute them because they're not easily fooled and they don't change much. And so even though you know where they're going to be, now out-executing him because he knows you're coming to get him. You know you're going to get him. Yeah. So this is one of those deals where, hey, you know where I am. I'll be here at 1 o'clock, 2 <laughs> o'clock, 3 o'clock. Yeah. And can you get four quarters of high execution and high energy? So, um, And then the special teams part of it, they have a really good kick return team. Mm. Um, 25, I think, or 26 is very dynamic. I think they're even leading the NESCAC and return yards for KOR. And so our kickoff team, I have a challenge there. Um, and I, like every week, it's hard to win. We have to build it to win all through the week in hopes that we we can compete for four quarters and, and like where we stand at the end. All right, well, you got the win this past Saturday. Hopefully another one this upcoming Saturday. Malik Hall, thanks so much. And wins make it a great day to be a Bobcat. <laughs> Bridge returned from injury and shined. His 188 rushing yards are the most in one game for a Bobcat since Sean Atkins ran for 302 against Bowden in 2002. Bridge is our male Bobcat of the week, but his performance would not have been possible without strong play up front. They don't record any statistics you see in the box score, but the Bates offensive line was a key component in Saturday's senior night victory. Senior lineman Matt Flanagan, Jack O'Brien, and Phil Simplicio joined the Bobcast to talk about their careers and what sticking with the program means to them. We got a trio of Bates senior offensive linemen with us here on the Bobcast. Matt Flanagan, Jack O'Brien, Phil Simplicio. Matt, senior day, under lights against Bowden, got the victory. What was it like there at the end when everyone got to charge the field and celebrate that victory? Honestly, at the very beginning, I was kind of speechless. Um, we, we actually, all three of us, were giving each other, we gave each other a huge hug. And uh, we were like, we got had to had to find a picture for it, but uh, we didn't get the picture off. But it was a good experience because all three of us, three massive boys, just giving each other some love at the end of the game. And then uh, once a few of our friends, we looked over and they stormed the field. So we just ran out to the B, and uh, it was a great experience. I just uh, I had to soak it in. So how how was it for you, Jack? It was awesome. My uh, my brother actually came up uh, from Washington D.C. and um, my dad was there and it was awesome. It was really cool. Just like my whole family came on the field too after and it was it was a really special moment. It was it was long waited and long overdue, but it was awesome. Jack touched on family and Phil, you've got family connections with Bates to yeah. say the least. Your younger <laughs> brother was on the team. I believe both your parents went both to Bates. Parents, so yeah. extra special, I'm sure the connection you've been a Bobcat your whole life, right? Yeah, I got baby pictures of me and Bates <laughs> gear. Um 
Coach Harriman, our former coach when we were freshmen and sophomores, stayed at my house when I was one years old, and there's a picture with him, with me as a little baby. But uh, yeah, it just uh, yeah, like senior day, it was surreal. Like we're walking on Garcelon, and like all this, like we've had so many memories and like practices and stuff on Garcelon. I've been going there since I was like four, so <laughs> kind of weird to have that final game, but uh, to get that win, as Flanny said, like we got a nice, we took the knee and we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, holy crap, like <laughs> we did it, <laughs> we kind of gave a big hug, and then um, uh, my uh, high school captain is uh, number six on Bowden, Nate Richam, and he's oh. one of the better players in the league, so I ran over, gave him a hug, just because he did the same thing for me last year when Bowdoin beat us and stormed the field, so I wanted to return the favor, and I turn, and there's just a massive group of kids on the beat, and I'm running around like it's like I'm a six-year-old again, just yeah. like, ah, just finding kids, giving hugs, and uh, can't thank the like students enough. They were rowdy the entire game, and uh, uh before the game, they're all giving us pats on the back, like, come on, you guys got to get them, get them. And then after the game, they're giving us big hugs, like they just played in it with us. And it was, uh, it was just a great experience. It was fun. Yeah, excellent. And then, Matt, the offensive line, you paved the way for 188 rushing yards for Tyler Bridge. What really came together for the line there on Saturday? Uh, really, all I could say is, like, we all, all throughout the week, we kind of just were like, we got to do this. We got to pull it off. It's at home. Under the lights, first night game ever, Bates history, I, I believe. And uh, it's something that, you know, is unbelievable. So we were like, we have to make this the best start to a new tradition. So um, the offensive line was kind of just locked in all week. And obviously we had a few battles on the D-line too. Um, so it was a good time. And I, I, that's really what forced us to be just kind of a huge force um, paved the way for Bridgie, which is great for him. I'm super proud of him. And, um, yeah, I, we were strong up front, and we just kept on rolling. So, And, Jack, as, as the center, you know, that's a you know, challenging position on the line. Uh, how have you seen – how you worked to grow your game these past, you know, few years, you know, kind of being the guy who has to point out, you know, uh, different protections and whatnot? Uh, I've just kind of – like, I, I've had – Good guys in front of me. So I mean, freshman year, I backed up Jimmy Fagan, and then I mean, Martin Guiney was like really like helpful with like learning like the protections and stuff like that. So uh, just kind of like learn from like experience, like learning from the older guys, and then eventually um, this week too against Bowdoin, like we were we were prepped really well for that. So we knew they were gonna blitz a lot, uh, knew they were gonna stunt. So uh, Coach Los did a really great job of just. You know, making us watch film and being prepared for like all the blitzes and stunts. And then Phil getting the start on senior day, what was that like for you? Uh, it was surreal. Um, coming back from like a injury junior year and just not kind of feeling the same way that I felt the entire way up until that injury, just to kind of have one final day where I'm with the guys that I love to play with and just fly around on the field, have a smile on my face and kind of just kind of beat the crap out of a team. It was fun. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, Matt, you know, you, your sophomore year, I believe you were away from the team, and you came back last yeah. season and now wrapping things up as a senior. What was it like returning to the team last year for Coach Hall's first season? Um, so I really wasn't planning on playing football. Um, I kind of just decided to move on, and uh, I was playing hockey and uh, rugby here at Bates. Um, but I was literally over the summer, I was working, and Coach Hall gave me a call. Um, and he said, listen, like, you don't, you really don't have to play right now. You don't have to say yes right now. 
Um, but I just want you to think about it. And like two days later, I give him another call and said, absolutely, I'm on your side 100%. Um, and it's good to come back and play with these guys because, you know, from the start, we had a strong offensive line core um, as freshmen. And so I wanted to continue that. And uh, honestly, it's been a tough, uh, the first year was tough, the junior year, last year. Um, but, you know, it's all coming together at this point. And I think um, in the next near future, the team's going to be great. What does it say about the, the eight seniors who stuck with it, Jack? Uh, it's definitely gritty. Like, I, I definitely say, like, there was originally 21 of us, I'm not going to lie. Um, so just, like, the fact that we're all still here is, is pretty cool and pretty special. And there's definitely a tight bond between all eight of us. I definitely think that. What, what's your perspective on that, Phil? Yeah, as uh, Jack said, it's gritty. Um, I just I kind of speaks to the group of the eight kids that stuck around and Flanny. I roomed with him for three years, so I was I got the text. I think it was over the summer junior year, and he was like, I, "I'm coming back." And I remember just telling my mom and dad, and just like immediately we we're all like, "Oh yeah, let's go!" And uh, so yeah, just the eight of us. It's I mean, we had practice today at six fifteen in the morning, which was a new one for us, and. Uh, it's just we've uh, we've had four years of just uh, Bates football, and it really shows that like we've stuck together, we've stuck it out, and it shows that we all love this school and like love this program, and we expect big things from it in the near future. Certainly, well, just a little bit about your backgrounds. When did you start playing football? When did you decide you wanted to you know continue playing? Um, you know, and come to Bates basically. Um, so I really grown up, I was too big to play football. Um, You're too I, big to play too, play too big to play football, believe it or not, if that's even possible. Um, and Pop Warner, but, um, I went to Fay School and they had a youth football team there. Um, so I started playing in seventh grade, um, and then decided to go to, uh, my public high school, Lincoln Sudbury. And I played, uh, for Tom Lopez, who actually, um, played football here back in the day. Right, right. Um, so he kind of got me into it and believed in me. And then I was a four-year starter, um, and I kind of just loved it so much. And uh, Tom Lopez um, was a big factor in me coming here as well. Um, my mom and my grandparents also went here, so um, I have a good history of Bates in the background. Um, so that was another huge pull for me. Um, but I started out Lincoln Sudbury High School in Massachusetts, um, small DCL league school. Um, we were always pretty good, won the um, dual county league a bunch, I think all four years. Um, yeah, and, you know, I planned on coming to Bates. I mean, that was my main goal. So, yeah. How about you, Jack? So growing up, I was pretty much a hockey player. Like, hockey pretty much dictated my whole town. Um, but my dad was a he's a division one FCS ref and so I always wanted to get into football and then uh, seventh grade at Catholic Memorial in West Roxbury Mass I uh, joined the football team and just fell in love with it and then um, you know I started having a good high school career and just kind of wanted to go to the best school with academics like possible and um, as soon as I talked to Coach Harriman and visited here, like, I fell in love with the place. I loved the campus, loved the atmosphere, and uh, I knew Bates was a school for me, and I, I really don't regret any, any of it.
Like, I love it here. It's awesome. So with your dad being a referee, does that make you a little bit harder on the refs or a little bit more understanding? <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, so like every, there's a few, few umpires who, who know, uh, know my dad, and so they always come up to me. Being the center, too, the umpire always right. has to come up to me because of uh, the substitutions and snapping the ball. But uh, I definitely – I think I do have a little, little bit of knowledge and kind of a little critical of the referees, so – it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> Makes sense. How about you, Phil? I mean, obviously, we, a lot of Bates family connections here, especially for you, as we mentioned before. But yeah. how did you decide you know, on your own you wanted to come here? Um, my friends have made a joke. All my high school friends have been committed to Bates since 98, which is when I was born. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't start playing football kind of like Flanny until uh, high school for me. So it was freshman year. It, that was my dad and mom's decision, maybe late. <laughs> have a few less hits on me in the sure. head um but uh yeah so I didn't start playing till then I was more of a basketball and lacrosse kid and then um junior year comes around and these guys can attest to it that's when all the camps start uh happening in the summer and I went to a bunch of camps coach Harriman and uh coach Averill were the two guys that were my like head recruiters and uh yeah, they talked to me on the phone. I came up again, even though I probably could have given the tour myself <laughs> where everything was when they were giving me the tour. And uh, just, I've, I've loved this place since I was little. And it was just uh, kind of, it was one of those special moments when I got to tell my parents, like, hey, they, they're offering me a chip for admissions to uh, help me get in. Uh, and so it was kind of one of those special moments. I always remember seeing my, both my parents, like, get all emotional and it was always, it just felt good to come here. Excellent. Well, to wrap things up, just any other thoughts you want to share about your time at Bates and about, you know, wanting to finish strong? You know, you still have one more game. We, we talked about yeah. voting. Still <laughs> one more game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, it's crazy because it's coming to an end. Um, it's the end of a chapter that, um, I believe it or not, like we were just talking about, you are saying like in your um, questionnaire on the pamphlet for the Bowden game, he was saying like it, it's – feels like yesterday when I, he, we were moving in as freshmen so um, it's honestly very surreal and it's coming to an end but the bonds that this team has created especially the the our senior group of the eight guys um, like honestly it's it's crazy how tight tight of a bond we are and how gritty we are and we get after it and so hopefully we uh, are in touch and have a good good life together. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Jack. How about you? <laughs> I, I completely agree with that on yeah. that one. Um, it, it is surreal that it's it's wrapping up. I mean, there's a lot of memories, good and bad, but uh, it was definitely a hell of a ride, and no regrets about it. And I uh, just got to get the win against Hamilton next week. So, I mean, this week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no bye week, right? Next week. Yeah. Next week we're retired. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Yeah, no, as these guys said, like um, this, the time at Bates has been great. We've had um, what, we're two-time CBB champs, which is not many people at Bates can say that in Bates football history. And I think in the future, I think a lot of classes will be saying they're three-time, four-time CBB champs. And uh, yeah, like I, I love these guys. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's a maybe, and if I'll see them <laughs> post uh, college, I think we're all going to know each other's kids. They're, our wives might hate, each, hate us when we go to visit each other, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The retired life is going to be weird. Hopefully, we don't get in too much trouble around campus. And yeah. <laughs>
Sounds good. <laughs> Philson Blissio, Jack O'Brien, Matt Flanagan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. The nationally ranked Bates cross country teams compete at the NASCAC championships on Saturday, and the men placed fifth out of 11 schools. First year Eli Besh Dining was the third fastest first year in the field, taking 22nd out of 145 runners. On the women's side, the Bobcats finished third out of 11 schools, led by all NASCAC performances from first year Jill Richardson and senior captain Olivia LaMarche. But it's the depth of the women's team that was the key to matching the Bobcats' best performance at NASCACs since 1987. Sophomore Tara Eller continued her strong season by placing 21st, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Female Bobcat of the Week, Tara Ellard with us here on the Bobcast, talking women's cross-country, third place for the Bobcats at the NASCAC Championships. Tara, you personally got third on the team, 21st overall. Big step up from, for you last year at NASCAC. What was the difference you, you felt kind of this time around? Yeah, definitely. Uh, last year, it was my first time as a freshman running at the NASCAC meet, so that was definitely a little bit intimidating. Um, but I really felt like this year, I, my training, I was more confident with that. And just like going into the race, I knew what I had to do. So I was definitely a bit more confident going into this race. And this course, you'd never run it before, so how do you approach that? Yeah, I'd never run the race, but um, the day before we always do a run through of the course, so I knew what to expect. Uh, it was a little bit flatter than what we've been running here in Maine, so it was easy to go out, but then there were some hard hills in the last half. Well, and then, I don't know, the previous race you'd, you'd participated in, in Oberlin, uh, Oberlin, that was a kind of a flat course too, right? Or very flat. That was a very flat yeah. course, pretty much <laughs> as flat as you can get. So yeah. it was a little bit of a change in the sense that there were some hills, but um, it was... Definitely a harder race to kind of map out. And then the team, obviously, pretty happy with a third-place finish. I mean, NESCAC obviously has some really talented teams. Yeah, we were very happy with the third-place finish. You know, we had set some goals ahead of time, and we beat some teams that we wanted to beat, so we were very happy with that. And then who do you typically run with, and how do you approach things? Yeah, so we... Um, we as Bobcats, we like to run together. So my pairing is usually Abby Hamilton. We like to run our races together in this race. Like we really stayed together for the first half, so it was nice. And then I'm curious, like during race, are you talking to Abby? Like, or how does that even, are you just kind of running together in silence or how does that work? Yeah, no, definitely uh, some races are harder than others. So you have a little bit more energy to talk in others. But um, going uphill, sometimes we tell each other um, to push it or, you know, keep together, stay together. Let's get this next girl. Like we do definitely talk throughout the race to kind of encourage each other and help us get through it. Is it always race focused? Focused conversation, though, probably? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Some races, is, if they're going a little bit south, you know, you have to um, definitely encourage each other more in the races. But, yeah, it's definitely race-focused, just, like, keeping each other in the zone and keeping us focused. I was talking with Olivia about this a couple weeks ago, but obviously for the women's team, you start off with 5Ks at the beginning of the year and then transition into 6Ks. Do you like that transition, kind of, or how does that work for you? Yeah, I definitely do like it. We start off the season with even a little bit less than a 5K, and then we go to – uh, the 6Ks at the end of the season. So it's nice to kind of go from summer training to building up till you get to the 6K because it is a long race. So it's nice to kind of ease into it. Certainly. And then how about um, some of your teammates and, you know, Jill Richardson coming in as a first year. You, you were a first year last year. What was it like seeing a first year coming in and having the impact she's had? Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud. I mean, Jill's amazing and what she's doing is great. So it's not only is she doing a lot for the team, but she's really showing um, how awesome our team can be in the next four years. You know, it's always exciting to get freshmen and see what we can do. We have a lot of great freshmen this year. Excellent. And then um, New England's coming up um, at Bowdoin, right? Yes. Uh, well, I obviously probably pretty familiar with that course. Yes, we've actually run at the, the Bowdoin course a few times now, so we know what to expect. Um, and our team is pretty young. We have a few freshmen running at it, so it'll be nice to kind of encourage them and let them know like what to expect and what it's going to be like. But for us, it's a nice 
a nice easy course that we know. <laughs> yeah, so last year was the first year, obviously, you, had, you know, a, a, a very solid season, raced at nationals with the team and everything. What was your approach over the summer to get ready for another cross-country season? Yeah, it was definitely, um, I knew more about my training and what I needed to do, and I, I think I went into freshman year just kind of like seeing what I could do and like um, not really having many expectations, but this summer like I knew what I wanted and it was definitely a more focused summer for training. And what was the experience at NCAAs like last year? It was intimidating. There's a lot of great teams there, especially as a freshman, um, not really running that many 6Ks or running um, meets that large before, but it was exciting for sure. Excellent. Well, what are your thoughts on NESCAC this past weekend and what you're most looking forward to, to regionals and hopefully nationals after that? Yeah, I mean, NESCAC was great. We placed way higher than we were expecting, so it was really incredible to see what we could do. And it's even more exciting to see what we can do at regionals now that we have that win behind us and have the confidence moving forward. Excellent. Tara Eller, Female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bates' impressive performances across the board earned head coach Jay Hartshorn her second NESCAC Cross-Country Coach of the Year award. With the all-important NCAA Regionals a week from Saturday at Bowdoin, the Bobcats are hoping to qualify for NCAAs for a second straight year. NESCAC Coach of the Year, Jay Hartshorn with us here on the Bobcast. And Coach, what does that honor mean to you as the second one of your career in cross-country here at Bates? Um, I'm just really happy for the team. I think it just sort of represents um, what this team has done this year. And I think people didn't probably, like our peers or within New England, I think it was easy to look at our last year's team and say we graduated our top two runners, we graduated five out of eight. Like it's supposed to be a rebuilding year for us. Um, and I always just felt like we had the students that who were a already here or coming in of that if things went right um, that we could be really competitive again and you know make a run of it and have a really good year and obviously third and NESCACs going in I mean that seemed like a, a, a really good outcome and that and that's what it ended up being I guess yeah that would have been you know the students set that as their goal yeah. of something that they wanted to do and um, we certainly would have had to have been happy with fourth maybe feeling a little more disappointed with fifth because mm -hmm. that would have probably represented that things didn't go like as well as it can um and it's you know it's cross country you you can't really control the other teams there's nothing you can do about that so you just have to really like execute your race and hope um that you get the outcome that you want well let's talk about this kind of new look uh you know top runners for the Bobcats. You have Jill Richardson, all NESCAC as a first year. You do have a senior captain, Olivia LaMarche, also getting all NESCAC. And then you have a sophomore, Tara Ellard, who really has strong meat. She's our female Bobcat of the week. We talked to her already. But what, what about Tara's meat impressed you the most? Um, it was funny. Right after she finished, I was like, oh, I hope she's Bobcat of the week. Like, it just <laughs> sort of went into my head of, like, she'd be a really good choice. Yeah. So she had a... Um, Without going into too many details, like winter, spring, she just wasn't the runner I thought she was going to be after having some success last year in cross country. And nothing was bad, but nothing was good. And then we figured out some stuff. So she actually came into the year feeling like, all right, I'm just going to have to see what happens. We have so many freshmen. I have to just sort of like take it week by week, which is um, interestingly the same thing that Aiden Eikhoff did last year when she had a really great cross country season. And then things just sort of immediately started clicking. So it clicked a little quicker than we thought with Tara. And then um, right before Ohio, she was like, yeah, you know, week by week, I'm just seeing what happens. And I was kind of like, 
yeah, here's the thing, like, you're one of our best runners, so, like, <laughs> we have to change that narrative, you know, and, like, we're counting on you, you know, and so it wasn't that she didn't want to be counted on, but it was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is here, and I need to, like, take the role that I'm, like, ready to have right now. Well, I noticed the race in Ohio was her best ever 6K time, although it was an extremely flat course, so that can't necessarily be a measure stick, but still really strong. Yeah, I mean, that was, like by far a big breakthrough in that yeah. way in terms of like even though it was like couldn't have been a faster course yeah. they still come back and say well like whoa I ran that and right. we know going into Nezcock like if you ran you know a minute slower then that was totally fine right. too like so but it is sometimes nice to actually get on that flat course and it's um that's exactly what regionals is going to be like so it it was very much like a tune-up like practice like I can go out harder than I think and be okay. So it, it definitely, you know, will help us in two weeks having gone to Oberlin. Yeah, so what's the process like training for the regionals here? Because you don't have a meet this weekend. It's uh, the week after. So it's the same process as normal. What is that like for the women's cross country? Um, well, it's sort of nice because you kind of, like, can regroup and have a little extra time to, like, if you have a big week in school, to have your weekend time and um, get, you know, three good workouts in. So it, it's like our our normal schedule, what we're used to. And then if you're lucky enough to make it to nationals, you just kind of go like regionals to nationals. You know, maybe you do something in the middle just to make you feel like you're doing something, but all the training's really um, been done. But it's a little different this week year because daylight savings um, felt like it fell earlier or our meet is a little later. Um, so it's a little bit harder because we're now getting dark yeah. <laughs> early. So <laughs> on Friday, I was like, you guys don't have class, so we can go early on Friday. Um, we might get a touch of snow on Friday. So you start really getting into, like, it could be really cold at regionals. Like, you have to be prepared for sort of all the elements that start hitting you in November. And then how about first year Jill Richardson? I mean, I'm, I'm hard to remember the last time a first year came in and immediately was leading the team in almost every race throughout the season. Yeah, that's um, – that's certainly not our norm. We've like sort of prided ourselves in like you work hard and your seniors are your best runners. Yeah. Like you kind of get better and that's how it was um, certainly with Jess Wilson, with Catherine Cook, with Katie Barker. You know, we've just always had these seniors and a lot of people before that. You know, it's it's sort of been our, our thing. So we're used to graduating um, a lot of people in our top seven and this year we'll only graduate one in our mm -hmm. top seven. So that will feel really different. Um, but Jill, the one thing I just love about her is that she's local, you know? So that was like something that we really try to have local kids on our team. So, um, just like seeing her around and being like, oh man, if this could work out. Um, so that was like really great. And a lot of people know her. A lot of people know her family. She's just like, she's so great. Um, this summer, I saw her, like, running through my neighborhood a couple times. So you're like, there she goes. You know, that was kind of, like, affirming and exciting. Um, but she's never been on a team that's been, like, close to this competitive, you know, ran with the boys some in high school. Um, it was just a really different thing. But she's, like, really taking it in stride. And, you know, she'll look to me. Like, I think state meet, she felt like, oh, maybe I wanted to do better. And I was like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, those were individual qualifiers for nationals last year. And she was like, oh, okay. You know, so in some ways you can really do a lot when you just go out in a race and don't worry about, oh, this is this person and that's that person. So we're just trying with all of our freshmen to not be like, 
oh, this person was All-American last year, or this person was, like, second at, you know, indoor nationals or something like that. You just, when there's when they're naive to, like, the bigger picture, sometimes you just, like, roll with it because it makes it, like, less pressure to just, like, go out and race and execute. And she's probably going to have a big impact come track season two, I would have to imagine, right? Yeah, I would bet, we haven't really talked about it, but uh, my guess is, like, cross-country is her favorite because a lot of these women cross-country is their favorite. Mm. I mean, just a sort of, like, a natural thing. But yeah. then we do have some that I know also really love track. Um, in Maine, lots of times if you're a good runner, you know, you'll run the mile and the 4 by 8 and the 2 mile. So you'll have, you'll be at meets and just run event after event after event, and that's really different than what we do. Right. So. I don't really have a sense of when we actually just like try to run a 5K or try to run a fast 3K, how quickly all that will come together um, because she's had some really good track times, but they're all in meets where she's run a lot of races, which is just typical high school in Maine. Certainly. And then Olivia LaMarche, we, we talked about how seniors are the typical progression is by the time they're a senior, they're, they're one of the leaders. And she is again this year at all NESCAC performance for her. What are you seeing from her development? Well, she's actually a really interesting case because she um, came out her freshman year um, after, like, maybe the first week and said, I would like to run. I've run in the past. And so we were like, okay, fine. And then all of a sudden, she's, like, at Nationals, one of our top runners. Um, And then sophomore year, she was actually eighth at NESCAC when we were home. Mm. Um, So that was, like, a really, really good performance for her. And then... um, so and then she had sort of some bumps and bruises along the way which is like totally typical of our sport so we really did and she was abroad last spring so we changed some of her training this year just to try to like tweak things to make it um that she just like felt longer um stronger later in the season and so um we really have given a lot of thought of like how to like keep her going a little bit better and i think uh, most of it has has really worked. So even yeah, from the get-go, she's been really consistent this year. And I'm just so happy for her because I feel like this is the runner she really is. And as long as we, like, keep her healthy and keep her um, going, then that's what we're going to see from her. Um, but typically we've, you know, come November and hit some bumps and bruises, which I don't think we're going to this year because we've, we've I think, figured out some stuff about her and – and that's what's like exciting about coaching is you can't do it the same way all yeah. the time. You have to be willing to like make changes. And that was like my biggest goal coming in this year is like what can I do to um, to really target this kid's training, you know, to make her have the season I think that she can have. Great. Well, any other thoughts on NESCACs and what you're most looking forward to with regionals coming up here in a couple weeks? Um, I'm just looking forward to regionals getting here. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like, oh my gosh, now we have like 10 more days or 11 more days. But um, I think we'll be ready. Um, it's exciting. We'll train like 10 people. Um, only seven can run, but right. we train 10 people, and five of those are freshmen. Wow. So it's a really good for them to, like, even if some of them aren't running at regionals, to, like, go through the whole training cycle and realize, like, okay, next year, this is how long the season is. This is what the collegiate season looks like. And they're so, we run we run in groups. Um, you know, Olivia and, and Jill run most races together. And then Abby and Tara run most races together. And Vanessa likes to work her way up a little bit. So she runs a little bit with everybody. Mm-hmm. She kind of says hi to everybody during the race, like I'm running with you, I'm running with you. <laughs> but all those students 
in training, they're all together all the time. Yeah. They're like the same. Um, some have just, you know, race faster and we just have to pick a couple. So they're really, really key for just the training of what's happening right now. And then, you know, hopefully that will stay healthy and we'll be ready to go in 11, 12 days. All right, Jay Hartshorn, NESCAC Coach of the Year. Thanks so much. Thank you, Aaron. The men's soccer team defeated Colby 2-1 to in overtime on Tuesday, thanks to a game-winning goal from first-year Bobby Dahl. Dahl joined the Bobcast immediately after the win. Bobby, um, overtime match against Colby. Take me through the game-winning goal. Um, so I think it was a pass from the left side, and it came over to me, and I like tried to flick it over uh, one of the defenders' heads, and it got around him. Uh, and then I took a touch around their center back and just hit a far po- or near post shot. Um, and then it just like went in. I was so psyched. Uh, ran over to the fans, a few that were here. My grandpa's here, so looked at him. Uh, yeah, it just felt great. Had your grandfather seen you play before? Here? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's from Maine too, so he oh. comes to all the games. So it just, I'm playing for him out here. So nice. And obviously, Colby, a rival. What's it mean to get a rivalry win like this right before NESCAC tournament? Yeah, I mean, we were we were on a little losing streak coming into the game, so. I think this win provides us a big bump of energy going into playoffs that we really needed. Sure. Well, I mean, just in general, this, the guys like both these seniors like that, what do they mean in terms of leadership? Oh, it's everything. Like, these are the best group of seniors we could get. And we have two of our cap- senior captains, uh, Tony, he didn't even get to play a minute this season, uh, and Peds, who's out with a concussion all, almost all season. So they're two huge leaders that we just didn't get on the field. Um, and then a lot of the other guys like Bofis, Reeves, um, players like that, just like super mature guys that just provide us with like unrivaled leadership. Bates fell at Williams in the NESCAC quarterfinals on Saturday, but the Bobcats can be very proud of the season they put together. Their overall record of 9-6-1 was the team's most wins since 2008, and their conference record of 5-4-1 was their best since 2004. Speaking of being proud of their season, the field hockey program entered the national rankings this year and stayed, finishing with an overall record of 10 and 6 after a NESCAC quarterfinal loss to number 7 nationally ranked Williams on Saturday. The 10 wins are the most for the field hockey team in one season since 1999, and the Bobcats' 6 conference wins mark their most in NESCAC play ever. The Bates women's soccer team battled Colby to a nil-nil draw on Tuesday to finish its season, and the Bates volleyball team's campaign rolls on Friday at the NESCAC Championships when the seventh-seeded Bobcats take on two-seed Wesleyan. We'll be recapping fall sports and getting winter sports started with season previews on the next few episodes of the Bobcast. Check out GoBatesBobcats.com for your favorite team schedule. For now, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) 